Alright, welcome to episode two of the McCovey Croncast. I am Brian Murphy, at Every Six Day on Twitter, and with me is... I'm Doug Brizzoni, at Moonwalk McFly on Twitter, also known as Groog on McCovey Chronicles. Yes, uh, layers upon layers of identity, because <laughs> such a crazy world we live in now. Uh, well, Doug, we're here, we survived one week, uh, uh, public opinion didn't crush our confidence or anything like that, and we're back for, for a second episode. How are you feeling? I'm I'm feeling good. You know, we got out of the, the hundreds of comments on that, you know, all of the ones that were about, the four of them that were about us were pretty positive. That's so right. Good. That's right. Uh, so basically a hit. Um, People really stayed on topic for yeah, that one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to this morning, I, I bought a hot tea from the local coffee shop, and uh, it was so hot, I let it sit. And then I forgot about it uh, because I was trying to get my voice in good shape for this. And so I came back to it and it's just cold now. So I'm not, I'm just damaging my voice. So for all of you out there, I'm going to sound really bad today. Have you ever done that? Like bought a hot drink and waited for it to cool down and then you forgot about it. And by the time you got back to it, it was poison. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't because um, I don't really drink a lot of hot drinks. Yeah, um, my grandpa who lived to be 93 years old, he was a very much like, uh, no hot drinks. And I'm like, maybe that's the secret. <laughs> you just don't drink hot drinks. It doesn't burn your insides. So, yeah, so so if I die at 92, that'll be a failure. That's right. That's right. I'm like, you shouldn't have had that hot chocolate that one time. Um, <laughs> way, way off topic. This will all be edited out probably. Uh, we, we're here to talk about the San Francisco Giants. The only reason why I get out of bed every day. Um, and a lot happened this week somehow. It's like they knew that we started a podcast and they wanted to give us content, stuff to talk about. Uh, one of those main things being Brandon Crawford, the handsomest man on the infield, won uh, the, the gold glove for shortstop. Unbelievable. He finally hit well enough to, to win a gold glove. Yeah, it was exciting. Uh, I was happy for him. Uh, I you know, like all Giants fans, I went through every defensive metric until I found one that said he was better than Andrelton, than Andrelton Simmons. <laughs> and then uh, after I did that, I was able to feel good about calling Braves fans whiners. Yeah, I mean, I just looked at that home run total and I was like, that's it. That's how you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah, that is how people vote. Never forget Palmero. <laughs> it's, baseball players are very, are, you know, they're like most human beings. It's what you see. And, you know, it's just it, he hits a home run, a home run, that sound off the bat, the ball clearing the wall, whatever it is, it reminds people like, hey, this guy can hit. And then that somehow validates the guy as an actual baseball player. So then they're like, they kind of like nod and go, oh, yeah, and he made some good plays in the field, too. I think that's it. I think that's just the math. That's all that happens. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's um, that's really the next ne the next part of sabermetrics is just, you know. Noticing guys. Yeah, yeah. That guy's a ball player. He hits the ball. So, so he fields. Yeah. Ergo. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, uh, first of all, it's great. I mean, it's the first gold glove since uh, Omar Vizquel. And yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking maybe like Christy Mathewson, yeah. it feels like. But Vizquel, yeah. I think I thought the Giants' last gold glove was before the gold rush. Like before yeah. gold, like it was super rare for anyone to even have gold, even in words. Uh, it was just that rare. So 
it's great. I don't know what else to say as a podcaster to comment on this. He's a beautiful man, a, a handsome infielder, and he's hot as hell behind the plate when he hits the ball. So, or at the plate. I don't know. Yeah, he's 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 great in the field. He's he's always been great in the field. This year, he's finally great at the plate. Um, I'm happy for him. The Giants have had plenty of good fielders who haven't won Gold Gloves. So, sure, I'll yeah. take it. It's interesting that everybody is finally catching up. I guess <laughs> the, rest the the rest of the country is catching up to the Giants to the extent that they're just ripping off last year's platitudes to apply to this year's championship team. This whole move the line thing with the Royals or keep the line moving with the Royals and how they're all a bunch of, they're not superstars, their lineup. They're just a bunch of guys that who all play for each other. Like that's yeah, they're been, scrappy. Yeah. They find a way to get it done. Yeah. They don't strike out. They just make contact. And it's just, I, I just thought, well, that's literally what the Giants have been doing for several years now. And in place, I can remember people saying, commentators, commenters on any of the major outlets saying, like, I don't know how to define these Giants guys. They're, you know, they're just a bunch of guys. It's not really one superstar. And then they didn't add in. They just keep the line moving. But with the Royals, it's like they've just borrowed that. They remember it being in vogue. Uh, as recently as last year, that was big, Bruce Bochy's big refrain about keeping a line moving, and, and that's what they're doing. Uh, I guess what I'm saying, Doug, is I'm I'm a little perturbed by by Giants getting disrespected in like a subtweet of national commentary. <laughs> right? Yeah. Is it because national commenters hate the Giants? Probably. Um, <laughs> do they hate the Giants because they think that we're too good for them? Yes. <laughs> I think that's a pretty obvious conclusion. Um, are we so great that other teams are now ripping us off and winning world championships with our strategies? Yes. <laughs> I, I think that's just who we are now. Yeah, I, I really just feel like they're just adopting the 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 verbiage, the the tagline, and they're just using it for their own. It's like they're not paying the copyright on that or licensing the term. Um, but I mean, it's a common enough baseball term, but you can go all the way back to 2012. That was, that was basically the Giants thing. It's like, we don't have guys that aren't, are going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. So we've got to keep the line moving and do whatever. And that's, that's all the Giants are. They never have, nobody on the Giants has ever hit a home run ever, ever. Not, not ever. Not over the No, that's long, true. Not ever. Well, uh, Marlon Bird hit one when he was with the Pirates, I think. That's right. A few years ago. Yeah. But yeah. not, but no. it was an inside the parker, so yeah, does no. it count? Probably yeah, not. No giant has ever hit a home run. They only can score through singles. Um, you know, when they have 12 hits and score two runs. That's a Giants game. Um, that is. So, uh, another thing that we had talked about briefly in this subject was uh, the Royals' ability to beat aces, too. Um, uh, that how it sort of mirrored the Giants' ability to do that, um, and especially in the postseason. Yeah, um, definitely. I would say that that's sort of what the Giants have done without people ever noticing it. I mean, because you know, 2010 they beat Cliff Lee, and they who was at the time the untouchable postseason ace, and they beat Halliday, and they beat uh, Hamels, they beat Oswalt at least in relief, and they beat. C.J. Wilson in 2012 goes on, and Verlander was obviously the big one. I don't know, whatever Cardinal pitchers they beat, they're all the same. Right, they're all one uh, ace put together, so. 
Yeah, and then big game the James. Was... They they handled big game James pretty well, and yeah, and yeah. now it's the Royals, who yeah. other than Keuchel and maybe Syndergaard just crushed the Aces. Um, yeah, uh, the one thing about the the World Series really was that getting to the Mets bullpen seemed to be <laughs> that seemed to really help them a lot. So. And that right, I would say that, yeah, that's a difference in sort of roster construction because the Giants have always had an okay bullpen that then just in the postseason decides not to give up any runs anymore, while the Royals have a great bullpen. That's right. Uh, I guess this was a, just a segment to complain about the Giants not winning the World Series this year or being remembered for winning the World Series for being great. I think we all uh, would have preferred that to have happened with the Giants. Yeah, that, that would that would have been good. <laughs> So that's that tangent off of Brandon Crawford winning a gold glove finally. Uh, Buster Posey won the Wilson Defensive Player of the Year at catcher, which is, as Grant put it, a consolation for losing out to, once again, our Lord and Savior, Savior Yadier Molina, um, who won the gold glove again. And what's well, Buster Posey, another award to put on the shelf there. Do you think? Do you think he just... I don't know, puts them away or leave or puts them out. What do you think about Buster's trophy display? I feel like he has a whole room for them, but nobody ever goes in it unless he he expressly asks them to. (laughs) So someone comes by uh, offer like with magazine subscriptions. He's like, won't you come in and look at my trophy room like that? Or, or someone, I mean, I, someone says, more can friend. I see? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, when he has, like, friends over, the door will be closed. Okay. But sometimes if they're talking and somebody's like, how, how many silver sluggers have you won? And he says, come inside. <laughs> or if they're all a little buzzed and, like, you did not win the uh, Rookie of the Year award. And he's like, there's a great way we can prove this right now. <laughs> Follow me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing the room as being mostly, like, mahogany. Do you think it's got any other function? It's a multi-purpose room, or is it solely for trophies? It's solely for trophies. Solely for trophies. Okay, so Buster Posey, not uh, not an efficiency expert. He's definitely uh, into compartmentalizing. Got it. All right. Okay. Uh, you know, I just thought maybe he had, like, a little desk in there, uh, a little office work. Maybe that's where he pays his bills. Because I imagine he pays everything. He writes checks by hand, Buster Posey, so... Um, I, I don't know if he does that. I think there is actually a desk in there. So when he's writing letters to the editor of a newspaper. Okay. <laughs> Why yeah. would he be doing that? Why would he be writing letters to a newspaper? <laughs> um, well, it's only his hometown newspaper in Leesburg. Okay. And it's because he feels that they get a lot of stuff wrong on uh, infrastructure repair. Okay. So he has strong opinions. Okay. And maybe he's sick of that one pothole in Main Street just not... No one, like, yeah, they're, it's, they're not fixing it. They're not fixing it. And I'm sure all of his words are tempered, measured, but insistent. They're always like, once again, I must point out this pothole that has been on Main Street for quite some time now. So, uh, commenters, if you'd like to formulate some potential Buster Posey letters to the editor, uh, that would be great. I would definitely read some next podcast. Um, all right. Uh, that's a great transition into free agency, huh? <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Uh, the Giants are – it's been reported the Giants are possibly interested in 
Ben Zobrist, a valuable, useful player. Um, this is file this under no surprise. Yeah, um, I mean, he's one that Grant has been talking about for a long time, a long, long time. I dream and about that Ben has always made sense for every team in the majors. Yeah, um, and the Giants are one of those teams. Yeah, yeah. I I don't see. I mean, second base, left field, whatever. I think also. Just the switch hitter thing, that's obviously great. And the on-base percentage. There's a lot to like about Ben Zobrist. Uh, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way the Giants can afford him. None. I think I, they can afford him. I don't think they will. They have um, just too many holes to to fill that they want to fill. It's going to cost at least 12 to $15 million a shot to fill. And, yeah, that's really the the problem that um that they have two holes in the rotation basically. Yeah. And they need to they need to solve those and they probably need to solve those before they address things that are only probably problems, which is, you know, second base, outfield and general depth. Yeah. Uh but Ben Sobrist, I and defensively I think especially if they're focusing on the pitching, I think defensively they're pretty sound with what they have and adding him into the mix and not getting that pitching. I don't know. I think whatever you give up, it would be very interesting to see what happens with the added offense, the slightly diminished defense, and then having gaping holes in pitching still. I don't think that really worked out this well, that well this year when they had terrible, terrible pitching, regardless of the defense. Uh, It was just really bad uh, in a lot of ways. So Ben Zobrist, since I know you're listening, we would love to have you, but uh, I know you're not coming here. Yeah, um, I mean, Shulman said that he would like to play closer to his family, which is on the East Coast. I don't know that that's a concern. I just think that the timing for the Giants and the timing for Zobrist is is not going to be the same. Even if it turns out in January they would have given him the contract that he ends up getting, I think that they're going to want to spend that money. They're going to want to save that money to to have for a pitcher or a different pitcher, or a third pitcher. <laughs> right. And if any of those pitchers can hit, I think that's where the offense will, the extra offense will come from. Uh, exactly. So the, that's a beautiful, elegant transition into our listener uh, questions that were sent to us on Twitter. Again, you can send it to, you can at me at every six day or at uh, Doug at Moonwalk, Moonwalk McFloor. Uh, I can't talk. <laughs> or, or yes. So <laughs> worry, again. it's very tough to say, say it without again. laughing. I only mastered it like a year ago. Okay, say it again. At Moonwalk McFly. There you go. So, uh, send us questions. We will do our best to. I don't like repeating questions, so maybe like pick your best one, or if you send three, I'll pick your best question. And Doug, maybe you'll do the same. Maybe not. So some of some people sent multiple questions. I just picked one out, but. The main one, the the one that t- adds to our conversation right now is from at S. Svensson 19. Which starting pitchers do you see as realistic targets? Uh, don't say Ian Kennedy or, I don't know, something about a plague upon your house. So who would be a realistic uh, one of those three to six pitchers that the Giants need, do you feel, uh, Doug? Uh-huh. Well, first off, I'd say Ian Kennedy is not going to be one of those pitchers just because I know that no one accepts the qualifying offer, but he has to. <laughs> like, 
Like, he has to. He saw what happened to Steven Drew a couple years ago. He's not that good. He's not going to make $16 million. I wouldn't give him $16 million for four years. Right. I, he has to accept it. Right. And even if he was to think that more years is what's important, at best he'd get that amount over two years. I can't see a team going above eight or even ten over two years. So I guess I guess $10 million, let's say, or even $9 million, he's willing to get that extra $2 million in the extra year. I don't know. Because so another team could offer him the qualifying offer next year. He could take it and get $30 million over two. Yeah, exactly. So I'd say Ian Kennedy is out. Um, that's my opinion. I'm probably going to end up being wrong because Scott Boris likes to not uh, accept qualifying offers because he likes money. Sure. I I think it's Doug Fister and then, and, and then it's scraps after that. That's what I think the target's going to be. <laughs> I really feel that Doug Fister is going to be such a bargain to them, and he fits the Giants' profile so well—a ground ball pitcher. Uh, I, I just think I know he's got arm problems. That's the tricky part, but I think that's where the price is right suddenly. And I just feel like that's that's going to happen. He's in the ether for the Giants, and after that, I don't know. But I don't like David. Like that's what I see as a realistic target for the Giants is Doug Fister. <laughs> Um, and Tim so Lincecum. For me, Those are the two. Yeah, I right. <laughs> Ister and Lincecum. Yep. Um, so for me, I'd say they're, you know, and when I say they're more, fairly likely to sign someone, you know, I'm talking like 30% instead of 10%. But I'd say Jordan Zimmerman. I think he fits what they're going to do better than than anybody. He's He seems more likely to sign, you know, because the rumors are that David Price wants to go to Chicago. Uh, I don't think Granky really wants to leave LA. And Larry Bear today, you know, gave a short interview where he talked about how the Giants are not entirely comfortable giving a pitcher thirty million dollars a year, which is probably what Granky would get. Yeah, I just and probably Price too. Sure, sure. Uh, I just I think Zimmerman and Mike Leak, the price difference there, like so, Fister, Leak, and Lincecum, I see as a very realistic Giants offseason. I feel like Jordan Zimmerman, there's going to be probably too many. There's going to be enough competitors to just come over the top for any offer the Giants make. Uh, and that's going to complicate things. There's going to be some price point they're not comfortable with. And also just the way free agencies exploded. And I, mean, I don't begrudge the players for making the extra money. But still, when you think about it, it's like, is Mike Leak worth 14 to $16 million a year? Which might be what he gets. And Jordan Zimmerman, therefore, is somewhere in the eighteen to twenty-one million dollars a year range. That's that seems really not reasonable or even possible. The Giants have about thirty-five million dollars to play with this offseason. That's essentially three decent pitchers, and then fill in this fill in the gaps. So I don't see I, I don't even see Zimmerman fitting in there. But as a realistic target, sure, I'd agree with that. He seems like he'd be their number one. In fact, um, uh, right, yeah, and right, because I, I, I think you're right about Granky. They're not going to go to 30 million. I don't even think they go to 25 million for Granky. Um, so then after that, who, who is it, right? So yeah, um, and they're not interested in Cueto. We have not heard a single word about them liking Cueto ever. I don't think. Sure. No, I don't. I don't. I think they're they'd more likely be into Marco Estrada uh, over yeah. over Cueto. Um, yeah. Although I personally would be into Cueto over Marco Estrada, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, the next question, 
uh, is from at Paul Boye, and that Paul underscore Boye, B-O-Y-E. How long until the next Giants 30 home run hitter, and who will it be? How long until the next Giants 30 home run hitter, and who will it be? Uh, Does Nikolai Bonds have any kids yet? (laughs) I'm not sure. I'll have to ask Jeff Perlman about that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's – I'm not seeing anybody on the current roster who's going to do it. Like, there are guys who have the power but aren't – you know, Belt has the power, Pence has the power, but they're not the kind of hitters to keep doing – to keep hitting homers over and over. I think Posey Uh will do it when he moves to first base full-time. That's my thinking. Okay. So so how many years is that going to be, you think? Two or three. Yeah, next year. I think it'll be next year. So (laughs) – you're right. I mean, the, all those players certainly have the the ability in them to hit home runs, but I think the park playing 81 games where they play them is just that's going to be right off the bat a handicap. And then where they play uh, in the NL West, you know, Colorado is sort of like the thing that averages it out, but San Diego's yeah, not a great and Arizona, I guess. Yeah. And but Petco and Dodger Stadium. And not, and not just Dodger Stadium itself, the pitching at Dodger Stadium. So, you know, it's it's kind of – yeah, so it does kind of balance out ultimately, but essentially three parks where it's very tough to hit and then two where it's fantastic to hit. You know, uh, the those central teams, the, the pitching on all those central teams are great. The East teams, the pitching is great. So there's lots of outside factors for the Giants' few bats that could actually do it. Um, so I'm going with Posey. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know that I've seen a lot from any of the guys currently in the minors that they're going to have that consistent power production. We'd all love to believe in Jarrett Parker, but the strikeouts. Oh God, the strikeouts. Uh, and you know, you you hope for Mac Williamson to put it all together like that, but you don't know until you've actually seen him do it. So I have no idea who's, who it's going to be. I don't really think Posey's going to hit 30. He seems like more of a line drive hitter, more of a square the ball up kind of guy. That's sort of my take on him. Uh, well, so you think it will be someone off, not currently on the roster, who comes in and does it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of my call. Uh, or if Jarrett Parker learns how to hit a breaking ball. Um, I right. Think that would be it, yeah. yeah. That would be great. I would very much like that. That was the part that was the most amusing to me about the three days in September where he went insane <laughs> was that he, they're all fastballs. So. Yeah. Unanimously fastballs. <laughs> yeah. And pretty much in the same spot. Oh, a belt tie fastball. He can hit out. So can every other major leaker. So, uh, <laughs> but it's great when that happens because we've certainly sat through plenty of giants teams uh, where they would get a fastball right down the middle and pop it up. And so yeah. it's very Or foul nice. it off or right foul. behind them. And Kruger says, oh, he just missed that one. You right. get all hopeful, and then he grounds out next pitch. Right. Or he swings at a ball wildly. Uh, <laughs> real quick real quick note about bad Giants teams. Eno Saris uh, on Twitter, he, he had this great tweet that he sent out right before he started recording. And it says, fewest pitches seen by a team since 2002. Number one, the 2002 Tigers. Number two, the 2005 Giants. Number three, the 2009 Giants. And number, I'm skipping now, number five, the 2006 Giants. So he, and he named seven teams. 
and three of those teams are Giants teams from this century. And if you think about it, <laughs> that's certainly how it felt for a long time. Fewest pitches seen by a team. That 2009 team was pretty spectacularly awful offensively. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that the 2011 team didn't make it because they were worse uh, offensively, after, po- especially after Posey got hurt. Oh, that's but, true. Uh, I yeah. mean, for a while, they were going to be the worst uh, offensive Giants team uh, in like a century. And then they had a, that little rebound in September when Beltron got healthy. And so they ended up only being the worst in a generation <laughs> since the 85 team that lost 100 games. <laughs> well, Beltron was so good, he probably brought up the whole average, preventing them from being the last, the least. Uh, well, I mean, that, that year, that was pretty bad. I'm looking, glancing at the roster. Uh, pitches per plate appearance, I can certainly see that they had some staggering hacker, hackers on the team. But Belt had 209 plate appearances. Burl had 219. Posey, before he got hurt. I think there's enough to make them not last on yeah. that team. <laughs> but 2009, I, 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 it was Randy Wynn and company. So. Yeah. <laughs> and Benji Molina. So. I mean, Pablo Sandoval was like the only good yeah. hitter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pablo Sandoval, man. That guy was good. And he was, he was good. And then he was bad. And now he's with Boston. Uh, okay. So real quick, two more questions. Uh, at Kizar underscore Soze, could Madison Bumgarner throw a fastball so hard that even he couldn't hit it? Uh, no, that's, that's impossible. Yeah, there is impossible. no such fastball. That's, that's, that's actually demonstrably true. I agree. And then the last one is at B underscore Demugno. Is Joey Flacco an elite quarterback? Well, yes, I say so. Uh, no, he's a sandwich. He's a sandwich. Yeah. Controversial. He is, he is surrounded by bread though. Okay. Yeah. So the question, listener questions out of the way, you can, uh, when we ask for them online, which we do at the start of every week, a couple of times. I'm just making up these rules randomly, but it sounds good. Uh, we'll ask for them and send it, and we'll, we'll answer them. You can, ask, you can ask me about anything, maybe, Doug, only about why he's so awesome. I don't know. Maybe you have rules to what you can be asked. So, <laughs> you, you can ask me about anything. I'll just only respond about why I'm so awesome. <laughs> that is fair. Okay. And so for our last bit, we uh, last week we did Big Spoon, Little Spoon. I think we're going to try another game here, uh, and it's related to what we've been talking about today in terms of free agency. And I think I'm going to call it Bridesmaid or Wellwisher, Bridesmaid or Wellwisher. So the Giants are famous for coming in second place to a lot of these free agents, and this year they have a chance to be even further or farther past that. Or they're going to be you know, sixth place, but they're still going to try for Ben Zobrist, for example. So I'm going to pose to you some free agents and I'm asking if they're going to be the bridesmaid, meaning they're going to be the runner up or they're going to be a well-wisher, which means they're going to be a distant relative or whatever. uh, However you want to characterize it. So I'll give you a moment to think about it. And then I'm going to pull up this free agent tracker and and then I'm going to say something. So, and then if you have them, you give them back to me. You know how games are played. Here we go. So, Zach Greinke, Bridesmaid uh, or Wellwisher? Wellwisher, I think. Okay. 
I mean, I think it's just going to be the the winner and then only well-wishers. There isn't even going to be a second place. But what degree of well-wishing do you think they're going to be? Are they going to be like the the pity invite that, you know? No, they're going to be they're going to be like a cousin. A, a like cousin. a not especially close cousin, but All right. Yeah. So someone that that they that Zach Greinke thought warmly in, enough of to invite. And uh, maybe they even bring a pretty decent gift. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, they're not really in it. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm going to say, I'm going to say well-wisher and like, and like, uh, like an old boyfriend. Okay. Like they're like, you know, there's some memories there. There was like, you know, I'd feel bad if I didn't include him. Uh, and I would say that's below the, um, the cousins. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Who you got? All right. How about Scott Casimir? Oh man, uh, I'm going to say bridesmaid actually because now that you mention him, I feel like he's someone the Giants could target. Like he should have been my answer in that last question. He he seems like someone they could afford. Like maybe that 12 to 15 or 16 range, uh, and he's got a great changeup, which they also love in their pitching. I'll say I'll say bridesmaid. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, they'd make a good run at him, and it's fairly plausible they'd get him. I mean, he, he signed with the A's. He didn't seem to hate California after he did that. Yeah, I didn't even. So, yeah. They, they've got a good chance. It just won't work because they're the Giants. That's right. That's right. They'll just come up They'll just come up short there, and the bachelor party, bachelorette party will just be a pain. It'll be misery <laughs> to sit through. Hisashi Iwakuma. Ooh, I'm going to say well-wisher. Because yeah. I think that he's going to get on the market. They're going to get in contact with him. He's going to say, oh, that's very nice. And then he's going to sign with the Mariners. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say well-wisher. And I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say like the uncle you never see. That's that's the that's the one. So I think the, the Giants are going to be in on him a little bit. Because it seems like he's someone that's going to be available for a while longer. And I could be completely wrong about that. But if he is, I think that helps. That gives the Giants a shot there. Okay. I mean, I you know, my, my take on it would have been uh, more like old friend from college. Okay. Like, oh, yeah, I invited you. Okay. Great. <laughs> All right. Okay. So that – I feel like that's – so they're going to be even more out than, than mine. All right. Okay. How about Jeff Samarja? I – I would like to preface this by saying I do not think the Giants should go anywhere near Jeff Samarja. Not even to like strategically up his price so that someone else signs him and is then out on another player. Because I don't I wouldn't I would be so afraid of them upping the price and then him just accepting it and then then them being stuck with who I think is a bad pitcher. Like a very bad pitcher. <laughs> he was terrible. He was awful this year. He was not very good. he was not very good with the A's either, and he was okay with the A's, but he was terrible this year, and he's only getting older. I will say they're going to be a bridesmaid though. So, <laughs> I think the Giants are in. I think that's he was one of the guys before Evans instituted radio silence. He was one of the guys that you were kind of hearing leaking out of the front office, or at least from the beat writers. So, I, I think he's going to be a bridesmaid. 
Um, yeah, you keep seeing, seeing these rumors about him, and I've never understood it. His results haven't really justified it to me. Um, even, you know, Fangraphs likes him a lot more than I do, just what he's already done. Fangraphs is like, oh, yeah, he was worth 2.7 wins last year, which, no. Yeah. No, he was very bad. Right, and he's um, going to also cost 14 to $15 million a year, and... I don't know. It feels like you can get a better value for that, for that. I feel like he's one of those guys that the Giants not wanting to go too high on aren't going to want to go too high on, and that'll keep them really out of it. So I'd say I'd say well wisher, and he would be. Let's see. Uh, he'd be like a stepsister you used to be close to. <laughs> so when you were younger, yeah, you'd spend some time. Sure. So you might say a few sentences to each other at the like at the reception. So good to see you, and then you just go your separate ways. And like you, and then she's different from how you remember her. You remember her much more fondly than how she is now. Yeah. Oh, all right. Okay. Let's do. Want to do a couple more? Sure. Let's right. bring it. All right. Brett Anderson. Um. I'm going to say bridesmaid. I bet they make a run at him. I don't think they get him because um, I think someone's going to come over the top and I think the Giants are going to hesitate because of injury concerns. But I think they do give it a good shot. Yeah. And then in the end, they just fall a little short in classic Giants fashion. <laughs> uh, I think they're going to be a well-wisher because for the main thing, the main reason being I don't see them going after someone, but I see them being in, in on him. I just don't see them going hard in on him because he's definitely not what they usually go after in terms of injury. He's got very known injury issues, and to chase him for pitching, it just seems like they know what they're getting in terms of how often he pitches, and I don't think they can – although he did, he did make it through this year pretty much. I, I just don't think they see it as uh, – over time, I, he just feels like feels like it'll be a friend of he'll be someone's plus one. That's where I see as the well wisher. So it's someone you know, like a friend of yours, who you you've heard about this person, but you haven't met them, and you're meeting them for the first time at the wedding. So okay, <laughs> I give you uh, the last one. <laughs> all right, I'll try to use it wisely. Yes. How about Matt Latos? Kidding. <laughs> Um, they, they Matt Latos is the guy who shows up, you know, a few miles from the church and you duct tape, tape him and tie him to a chair. So he doesn't, you never see him again. He is the wedding crasher who, who just repeats lines from the wedding crashers. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like he just um, walks around yelling. It was my first Asian. Like, that's all he does. Like, it's just like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, I'm going to say... John Lackey. John Lackey. <laughs> That's the one we're going to end on? All right. I would say John Lackey is uh, not – if he lasts for a long time, he's a well-wisher. Uh, well-wisher the Giants are. And it's like a um, – oh, man. It's like your great-grandmother who's somehow still alive. So. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But like your mean great grandmother, who you have to invite for purely family reasons, but who's racist and like conforms to all the old gender roles, who doesn't like the loud music or the food, she just complains all the time. 
there's your well assurance. Okay. <laughs> um, I thought John Lack is a good one to end on just because he fits a lot of the classic giant stuff. He's, you know, he's old, so he's going to be a two or three year deal, which they'll like. He's been good, but not great. So he's not going to be that expensive, which they like. And they're going to come in second. They're going to be bridesmaid. Bridesmaid to John Lackey. All right. Yeah. I never thought that I would hear that sentence before. <laughs> well, you don't want to marry him. No, so. no. <laughs> well, he, if the lighting's low, you might think you've got something good. And then yeah, the lights come up. Okay, so that is that is the end of that. We didn't even get to the premium free agents because <laughs> there's no <laughs> chance. I would love Justin Upton in a Giants uniform. I should just keep drinking. So, <laughs> yeah. So then that concludes our second podcast ever, Doug. How do you feel? I feel good. I feel, you know, like I gave 110%, really left it all out there. Yeah, I, I definitely pitched through some dead arm issues. I think the cold tea... You know, it gave me just enough of a caffeine kick to get through this. And um, yeah. I can't go another inning, but I got, I got through my – I did a five and dive. I think it worked out well. So we're going to turn it over to the bullpen and, and enjoy your comments. Thanks for listening. Uh, again, I'm on, on Twitter at every sixth day. I'm on Twitter at MoonwalkMcFly. And we will talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Bye.